Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey everybody, Robert Evans here. Welcome back to It Could Happen Here, a podcast about things falling apart and coping with dystopia. And one of the first signs of our our dystopia coming to be was the establishment of the TSA and the Department of Homeland Security more broadly. Obviously, DHS much more problematic than just the TSA. We did a couple of episodes on them uh, with Behind the Bastards back in the day. But, you know, the TSA came to be right after 9-11 and both its establishment, you know, the seeming necessity of it and the kind of impositions into personal privacy that it made commonplace were both harbingers of of the, <laughs> the very fucked up era we find ourselves in now. And the TSA is an interesting law enforcement agency to me. From the perspective of a, a normal person, I think they're kind of the least objectionable of our federal law enforcement agencies, right? They, they at least, I should say, of all of the cops that we have in this country, they're the ones you're least likely to have a serious problem with, right? Like, they're not real cops in the way that that most cops are. They don't, like, ticket or arrest you generally unless I, you're one of the startling number of Americans who gets caught with a loaded handgun trying to go through airport security. Mostly, and I, I've flown way more often than I want to remember, mostly my experience with TSA agents is they check your ID you know, they, they stare at an x-ray machine where your shit goes through it. Sometimes they alert and swab some stuff. But, you know, for me, it's usually not that big a deal. For most people I know, it's not that big a deal. Obviously, you know, the degree to which it's a problem is going to vary widely depending on whether or not you're a white dude. But that said, still less potential for things going horribly, violently wrong than with a lot of police interactions. So I'll give them that. And it's interesting to me that kind of given this fact... Uh, uh, 
the TSA is so hated, not by, I think, most Americans. I think we're all kind of frustrated by them. We know, you know, they're not great at their jobs. They they get caught in tests, letting shit through all the time. Um, it's kind of a pain in the butt. But there's a chunk of Americans who fucking hate the TSA. And they hate it because of how invasive it is. And it's a little weird if you're a regular person because going through airport security is still less invasive than, like, applying for an apartment, which a lot of people do more regularly than they fly, um, or taking a trip to the DMV, which, again, a lot of people do more regularly than they fly. But people, you know, with money, upper middle class and rich people, that's where you really get most of the hate from the TSA. Now, obviously, there's some from principled libertarians, and I tend to I tend to think they have a point there. But there's a lot of people who really hate the TSA, specifically because it's kind of the only law enforcement friction they deal with on a day-to-day basis. You know, they live in a neighborhood where they're not getting pulled over. You know, the cops, their job is not to fuck with the people who have money. So the only time they're going to get patted down and deal with that thing that is a a pretty common experience for Americans in a lot of cities is when they go through the airport, when they fly. And they also fly often because they have more money. So I find myself in this interesting position when reporting on the TSA of there's real abuses there. There's a lot of real threats there. The fact that they do get so much up in our business and that we've normalized it is an issue. And at the same time, like I always know when I do something like this, the people who get angriest about whatever I write about the TSA are going to be the worst pieces of shit in the country. So it's a fun balancing act. Now, obviously, as I'm trying not to to, to gloss over, there are some really good reasons to be pissed at the TSA. Like this 2015 story from Denver of several agents who were caught running a groping scam. Basically, one female crew member would point out the men that she found attractive, and a colleague would signal that person out for a pat-down, and they basically say, like, oh, it's alerting something around your groin or inner thigh, so that, like, she could bottle them, essentially. Now, these these people got fired. The TSA went after them when they got caught. Um, but who knows how many people they groped in the interim period. Uh, video in 2023 caught TSA agents at Miami International Airport stealing from passenger bags in the security lines. There's like footage of it. Obviously, the people who do this are going to be very, very stupid because like there's, you know, as a TSA agent, there's cameras all over the place. You're in the fucking TSA. Um, And the video is just this guy like reaching his hand into a bag, pulling out cash. Uh, It's not hard to find headlines that are similar, though, going back about as long as the TSA has existed. What interests me more are the massive violations of privacy and the potential involvement the TSA and their normalization of those invasions of privacy has in the expansion of the surveillance state. So this year at CES 2024, when we found out the TSA had a booth and they were there to talk about their new facial recognition scanners, Garrison and I had to go check it out. And the interview that we conducted is going to kind of be the heart of this episode. But I, I wanted to get over a little bit more of a preamble first. So the TSA started testing facial recognition scanners on a voluntary basis at 16 domestic airports and I think 20 2022. They expanded it to 25 airports or so last year, 2023. They are in 27 now, according to what we were told by a representative. And the goal is for this technology to go nationwide. Uh, Obviously, not everyone is thrilled with that idea. And I'm going to quote from a June 2023 article on CBS News. 
Five U.S. senators sent a letter demanding that TSA halt the program. You don't have to compromise people's biometric security in order to provide physical security at airports, said Senator Ed Markey. Pekoski, who is the TSA representative, says he agrees with senators in that he wants to protect privacy for every passenger. I want to deploy technology that's accurate and doesn't disadvantage anybody. Privacy advocates worry about the lack of regulations around facial recognition and its tendency to be less accurate with people of color. Most images are deleted after use, but some information is encrypted and retained for up to 24 months as part of the ongoing review of how the technology performs. What's left out of that article is that the TSA is also allowed to maintain biometric data taken from non-citizens, people entering the country from foreign countries, migrants, and the like. And they're able to keep that and share it. It's kind of unclear the extent of that, but they're not bound by the same rules with those people that they are for, for citizens. And there are other issues as well, as we'll get into. So Garrison and I were both excited to have a chance to chat with a TSA representative. This guy was less excited to see us, and we will get into that story. But before we do, it's time for an ad break. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year. Equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. 
And we're back. So Garrison and I show up at the CES booth and it's kind of a small one. You might imagine is about the size of like three normal office cubicles maybe. There's a couple of tables. There's like a little podium thing in the front that's got their logo on it. They have some stickers, including one that's like, it, uh, it's like peanut butter is a liquid and it's it's a, a, a cartoon of peanut butter, which I was informed when I commented on it by one of the TSA people that yes, peanut butter is a liquid, which is one of those things that it's both absurd and also like, well, actually, I don't know how else you'd categorize peanut butter if you're the TSA. So I guess it's something I can't have much of an issue with. My, cream? But is a cream different from a liquid? I don't know. That's that's for the philosophers to decide. So Garrison and I come up to this booth, and and we there, there's a guy standing behind the podium. And the way stuff works at CES is you have generally a mix of actual you know officers from the company. Sometimes it'll be like a CEO or an executive um, in the case of a smaller company, other times it'll be regular employees or like engineers and stuff who can answer technical questions. And then a bunch of most of the people that you talk to are like PR reps. I don't know who the guy was that was at the booth when we first showed up, because as soon as we said we wanted to talk about their facial recognition cameras, he saw we were media and he instantly did the PR equivalent of throwing his buddy on a grenade. He like backed off. He was like, let me get something for you. He pulled his coworker over and then he fucking vanished. Uh, and I'm going to play you a little bit of audio of that. We're interested in what you have here in terms of facial recognition. It's the cat two right over there. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. What are you seeing? Because I know right now, like, if you've got um, pre-check uh, or, oh gosh, what's the other one? The independent company. That are we has alive, on a live interview now? Uh, I thought so. I mean, yeah. we came up to ask to talk to a TSA okay, representative. Sure. Yeah. yeah, sure. Hang on just a second. Mm-hmm. So the guy we found ourselves in front of was R. Carter Langston, who is actually the press secretary of the TSA. And by God, I don't know if I've ever seen a man less happy to see me. Eventually, we started talking, and I have to give Carter credit for professionalism. His eyes said, I despise you both on principle and am enraged to be doing this. But his voice remained calm, even, and his responses were, to be quite honest, pretty polished. I'm kind of interested in sort of how you see this um, altering the way we do air travel over the next five, ten years, right? Because obviously right now, people are using facial recognition if they have pre-check or they have... um, I'm spacing the name, but you know, the independent company that does get you past the line and stuff, like they do like facial recognition when you are in the airport. Is this something that you see is coming more broadly to like everybody going through security in the future? Eventually. Yeah. Eventually. Um, So right now it's at 27 participating airports Mm -hmm. and it's not at every single, uh, we call them travel document checker podiums. It's not at every single checker, uh, travel document checker podium, TDC, for short. Um, But it is growing and becoming, um, uh, we're deploying more and more as as funding becomes available for it. We're using facial recognition to um, identify passengers. It's It's a significant improvement. Uh, over the previous way we were identifying passengers just with the human interaction looking at an ID credential and looking at it based on uh, what that individual knows about the 50 states and territories and, uh, and how they uh, what their credentials look like 
the technology actually takes that over and does a much better job of validating the authenticity of that ID. And then the facial recognition component with a picture, still image, taking a picture of the passenger standing in front of the travel document checker podium, and then ver- and then matching that picture of that person standing there live against the credential photo and making a match that way. So we know that the credential is valid. It's it's true. It's accurate. Uh, we know that the person standing there is also the person on the credential. Uh, we can verify the boarding status and the screening status of that individual and can provide them with um, where they should go next for their screening. Because the, the officer is able to discern, based on all of the information provided at the back end of the monitor that they review, they can see all of those uh, items have been checked. There's a boarding status, and there's a screening status. And then just tells the passenger where to go to, to follow up for screening. So I'm interested in how someone how someone becomes basically enrolled in this, right? Because my assumption is, at this point, just the picture you get when you're getting your driver's license or your state ID from the DMV is not sufficient for a facial recognition system, right? Simply having the picture in the government space. You need to have somebody, like, get their face scanned, their irises scanned, or something like that in order to have them in the system, right? It's not in the system at all. Um, So with the way we're rolling these out at airports and checkpoints is once a passenger has been identified and and goes into screening, all of the information that was captured is gone. We don't store any of the pictures. Participation right now is completely voluntary. Uh, There's signage right there at the checker podium uh, to indicate that passengers can opt out. Uh, They don't have to participate. And all all that happens at that point is the same officer will uh, will uh, turn basically uh, over to the alternative process, review the ID, review the boarding pass, and allow the passenger to continue on. Too easy. So if you don't lose their place in line and they don't, they're not delayed in any way from getting screened. But um, in terms of like the people who choose to use it, right? So if you if you're in this system, is it literally just comparing your face to the face on the ID? You're not like enrolled separately the way you are if you are in like pre-check or something. No. Okay. No, it's it's not. There's not a database associated with this, um, and so no, that's that's not our use. Now. Um, some of the airlines have partnered with us. They saw a benefit in it. And they're using similar technology for bag drive for their um, frequent flyer miles program participants. So that is, um, there's a database associated with that, obviously. And so those passengers um, are 
have a have an entirely different experience. Yeah. But the way that we're using it at the checkpoint is, as I just said, uh, for identity verification. Gotcha. You caught that, right? How he says participation is voluntary right now? Well, I hadn't come across this information at the time, but afterwards I read a fascinating Washington Post article from last summer about Portland Senator Jeff Merkley. Jeff Merkley uh, says that when he was trying to make a flight at Reagan International Airport, he was told that if he didn't verify his ID via face scanner, he would face a significant delay. Quote from the article, there was no delay. The spokeswoman said the senator showed his photo ID to the TSA agent and cleared security. So basically, he was lied to. Somebody lied and said, you're going to, if you don't want to like be delayed and maybe miss your flight, you have to submit to a face scan, which is one of the things that privacy advocates were worried about from the beginning. But you know what privacy advocates aren't worried about? The products and services that support this podcast. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. And we're back. So I think when it gets right down to it, the silliest part of all of this to me is that the TSA isn't even claiming they need to run faces through like some futuristic database of terrorists, right? Like they they want to scan our faces so they know if this like bad guy they're tracking is in the airport and disguised using a fake passport or something. That's not actually what it does. Facial recognition the TSA is using right now, at least, 
just takes the place of the TSA guy. You hand your ID before you go put your shit in bins, right? Like, you know, you 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 go up and before you can go take your stuff out of your bags and put it in those bins, you hand a guy your license, sometimes your license and boarding pass. He looks at it in your face. If you wear it a mask, he tells you to take it down for a second and then he lets you go in, right? That's what the facial recognition scanners are actually doing here. That Washington Post article also cites an anti-facial recognition activist, Tawana Petty, who says that she was told by a TSA agent at the same airport, Reagan, that undergoing facial recognition scanning was not optional. So people are already being told this is a requirement. And obviously, as a spoiler for where this goes, the, the bigger, deeper question is like, how long is that going to be the case, right? So, you know, that's kind of the the big concern, right? Is that they're saying it's optional now. It obviously won't be forever. And some people are just going to be told they don't have a choice. Like that's kind of bullying, strong arming people, threatening that they'll miss their flight if they don't submit to it, which makes me extra suspicious about their data retention, right? And that is the question we asked as the interview went on. Where is the TSA's, where is the TSA's biometric data? Or really, where is passenger biometric data actually going to go once the TSA has it. In, in terms of uh, just uh, in, information storage, is, is there, I, I know I've been seeing more of these like signs the more that I travel, because I, I do a de- decent bit of traveling for these, for these sorts of systems. And I'm curious about how this works for non-US citizens. Um, if, if, because I know there's, there's certain, at least in some of the technology that's being used by uh, Customs and Border Patrol, they do store uh, images captured of non-U.S. citizens for a certain time period. They do take pictures of U.S. citizens when entering the country at lots of, lots of airports. Um, are, they, are these two systems interacting at all, or is the TSA system and uh, Customs, and, Customs and Border Patrol system more separated? Well, I, first of all, I can't speak for Customs and Border Protection. Um, but I can tell you that we're you, we have two very different use cases. So their use case is very much oriented in the customs arena. Um, and then ours is, as I just mentioned, at the checkpoint and solely for the uh, identity verification. And if an international passenger comes in with you know, a credential um, that identifies them then the unit would obviously accept that credential. It's a photo, it's a photo credential. So again, all that the system would do is validate that that person on that credential is also the same person that's standing right there in front of the travel document checker. Most of you are probably aware of this, but the TSA actually does not have a good record of protecting private data. Now, this is not old man Robert being a libertarian. It's just documented history. The TSA initially claimed their full-body scanners, which took what are essentially naked pictures of passengers, never stored photos and couldn't transmit them. But in 2010, this was revealed to be a lie when we gained access to documents that included technical specifications and vendor contracts, which indicated the TSA required vendors of these scanners to provide equipment that can store and send images of screen passengers. Now, this was supposed to only be in testing mode, but if it can store and send images of screened passengers, it can store and send images of screened passengers. 
In 2012, a former TSA agent accused his co-workers of saving nude body images of passengers from the body scanner and making fun of them in back rooms. He said that safeguards were put in place to ensure the agents manning the scanners never saw the people they were scanning outside of the scanner, uh, but that these policies were frequently violated. Basically, every privacy policy they had was frequently violated by agents so that they could make fun of people's dicks, right? That's the story. The TSA retired its old scanners the next year, replacing them with a device that showed less detail and particularly provided agents with less clear looks at people's dongs. In 2021, a TSA agent in Minneapolis was accused by airport police of taking dozens of photos of young women going through flight screening. The TSA's record here, both in terms of the agency itself and in terms of its employees, is certainly not worse than numerous police departments, right, or the FBI. This is something to keep in mind. As frustrating as all this stuff is, literally every local and uh, city law enforcement agency has worse cases, and by God, so do the feds. Could make a case that as frustrating as a lot of this is, the TSA is less of a threat to privacy than most other federal law enforcement agencies. But that's beside the point. For one thing, Normalizing facial recognition technology in the airports is a step towards normalizing it everywhere. The data that is gathered will not always be deleted. Uh, And more to the point, there's no way to know that the system isn't going to expand in directions that we all find deeply uncomfortable as it goes on. That's why you kind of have to nip this stuff in the bud, especially since they're not really promising extra security here. When you when you look at the, the scandals of the TSA, a lot of it has to do with the fact that they'll be getting tested by some other law enforcement agency to see if they can like sneak shit through, right? And the TSA will let a bunch of guns or a fake bomb or whatever through because people aren't paying attention. Facial scanners aren't going to catch that. And it's kind of unclear to me what they are going to catch. My other bigger issue is that even though they say they're going to throw away biometric data, they're not going to keep it more than 24 hours outside of special situations, which they do kind of leave themselves an in there. The fact that they say they're deleting this stuff doesn't mean they are going to delete that stuff. And I, I brought up this troubling history of like lack of respect for privacy, violations of privacy by TSA agents in the past within the context of this new system. And uh, I, I want to play Carter's answer for you. I am curious, you know, there, there were a couple, last uh, five or six years, a couple of cases, stories that, that blew up of pictures, images of passengers who were on the body scanners being shared. Right, like that's a there's, there were were a couple of scandals about that. Has that influenced your attitudes on the data retention policy that should exist for the facial recognition system? So let me first tell you that we follow uh, the National Institute of National Institute of Standards and Technology their guidelines and standards to AT. Uh, not only that, we publish online our um, privacy uh, impact assessments. So there are, uh, we're very transparent in our use of this technology, how we're using it, what we're using it for. And again, it's completely voluntary. Nothing is stored and um, it's simply for identity verification, uh, which is really the linchpin for transportation security. I mean, we've got to know that what who we're letting into the secure area of an airport 
is in fact the person that they say they are. So yeah, that's more or less how the conversation ended. Uh, Carter was very happy to see us go. And I don't think Garrison or I were particularly surprised by anything we heard, but I did find it interesting that he kind of confirmed the goal is eventually for this to not just be everywhere, but be something that you can't opt out of. And I do partly wonder how much of that is them looking for a way to get more data on people, maybe even to share to other law enforcement agencies. And how much of that is kind of the same reason a lot of, you know, AI style technology and kind of facial recognition does sort of fall under that umbrella. If you're going to have a general intelligence, one thing it has to be able to do is recognize people's faces. So it is a a piece of that. And I, I think that just like a lot of other applications of that kind of technology are inevitably used to cut workforces. That's kind of probably the chief thing the TSA is looking to use it to do, right? If you can replace the guy who has to look at your ID, or at least most of them, with facial recognition scanners that do the same thing, then you can save on your budget, right? Now, the downside of that may be to us. The upside is it could be faster. The downside, of course, is there's a really good chance it won't be. The robot will be even more racist than a TSA agent might be, you know? It's one less chance to deal with a human with whom you might be able to talk something through. Anyway, we'll all see where this goes. But for today, this has been It Could Happen Here, and I have been Robert Evans. It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.